You're listening to Across the Novelverse with hosts Chelsea, Michaela, and Connor. Today we'll be talking discussion number two of The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, chapters 18 through 30. This podcast may feature adult content. Viewer discretion is advised. What will Off Warren give birth to? A baby, as we all hope, or something else? An unbaby, with a pinhead or a snout like a dog's, or two bodies, or a hole in its heart, or no arms, or webbed hands and feet? There's no telling. They could tell once with machines, but that is now outlawed. What would be the point of knowing anyway? You can't have them taken out. Whatever it is must be carried to term. In chapter 19, this is where we really get deep into the reason why women are barren. And uh, basically what had happened before in the economy to cause them to have deformities and, and not being able to carry to full term and things like that. So this is where we're really going to dive deep into those topics and discuss about chapter 19. What are your thoughts on it? So in chapter 19, they say that women are barren in this alternate universe. Um, that it's because of chemicals and radiation and toxic molecules. And it's leaking into their their skin and their bloodstream. And that's causing them to be barren. And they don't seem to realize that it could have the same effect on men the way it does on women. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that when reading the chapter. <laughs> no because, one thinks about men. Well, They're I perfect. mean, this is all about women, is it not? I mean, the uh, suppression of women, yeah. all this whole book, they just don't seem to think, you know, all those toxins could, you know, not just affect the women. Make a man sterile. I didn't realize that when reading chapter 19. Um, I'm going to be honest, it came to me as I was saying the words and they were coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I was like, if you mentioned that, like, while you were reading this past week, of course it would. But if you were just skimming over it, reading it for yeah. the pleasure of reading and not really diving deep into that chapter, you would probably skip over that small detail. And that's a good point. It would make sense. But focusing on the suppression of women and the things that were happening before and how they just kind of basically cut all women off. Um, of everything, I guess that's why my mind never went to well. It could, you know, have happened to men as well. I mean, it's kind of just the way it's written. I mean, she kind of wrote it to make the person think about, oh, it's just women, uh, and maybe she wrote it that way so that way you don't really think about the whole male aspect. Well, it's kind of the whole society. Until she cuts it out. Well, yeah. It's the whole society, and that oh, the the men aren't the problem. The women are the problem. So you don't even think that whenever you're reading, oh, the chemicals and the, the radiation and the toxic molecules, mm. how it could have affected the man. You're only thinking of how it could have affected the woman. Yeah. True. And when she wrote this book, in general, as we've said before, you know, she herself was going through a time where women were, were feeling very suppressed and, you know, they were just able to get jobs. But yet these big names and, and men were trying to make them feel unworthy and smaller than what they really were and they weren't getting the same amount of pay or even higher than a man um so it would make sense that this whole book is 
you know, featured around the suppression of women just put in a whole different light. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a, I just, I don't know why they had to take it all the way back to the 1800s where they're, you know, they have to carry it a full term and there's no ultrasounds. And and that was the other thing we were going to talk about, that they, no matter what is wrong with the baby, they have to carry it to full term. It could, as she says in the book, have a snout. Which, why would a baby have a snout? Is one of my questions. But they have to carry it to full term no matter what, even if they will be considered an unbaby, as they refer to them. The handmaid has to carry it to term, or the mother, if it was before the handmaid time, had to carry it to term, and there's no ultrasound to even tell if it's going to be what they consider an unbaby. Yeah, so taking it back all the way to the very beginning. But then, okay, what if it is an unbaby? You were, Michaela, you were talking earlier, you know, before we started this discussion, all babies are precious. I don't know if it mentions where they go in the book or if it mentions it in the TV series. They might send them to the call of the unwoman call. So, I think you hear it said... In, early, in one of our readings from last week where her and Offglen are walking past the wall and they pass the O'Connor wives and they're holding something. And I think they're they're pretty much almost turned into cremations because they're in this little box and you see one of the, um, the O'Connor wives carrying this little box that was an unbaby. I mean, it's kind of also smart too not to kill babies but like I mean if you're thinking about repopulating the earth do you want things with like deformities and stuff like that quote unquote defective babies. right this is kind of goes back to the whole Nazi thing it's like they were trying to do the whole like perfect race German, thing yeah. yeah and so she probably took some stuff from that too and also religious aspects because I mean religion has a lot to play in like how people want to give birth how they give birth and how they, you know, treat, like, the woman at, during birth and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, like, Catholics and stuff like that. I mean, like, they all have their reasons for, like, not doing certain things or whatever. So that might that has some, probably something to do with why they chose to, like, not do any ultrasounds and stuff like that because they believe, like, God is, like, going to give them this, like, perfect, perfect precious, precious baby. baby. <laughs> Even though we know it's not always true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, just because a baby's not perfect doesn't make it not precious. Right. I mean, it's where, like, people get, you know, their minds and stuff like that, like, they want it to be perfect, and but then when it comes, like, comes out and it's not, like, I mean, even in today's society, people still kind of get, like, depressed over, like, the kid not coming out, like, right. <laughs> I love how you put that, not coming out right. <laughs> like it's I don't know how to say that. <laughs> All right, put it back in the oven. Let's see if we make like it's it perfect cookie, this It's time. not quite baked yet. <laughs> a little lopsided. 
In 2017, the Trump administration issued new rules that allowed private employers with religious and moral objections to avoid covering birth control. I wanted to share this with the listeners because um, this is an article I found uh, while on Facebook and I fact-checked it and everything. And it was written on um, Monday, I believe, of this week this past week and um I sent it to Michaela and Connor because I just felt like it related a lot to the Handmaid's Tale and how it all started within the Handmaid's Tale um really in chapter 19 like how things had you know happened with the chemicals and um stuff like that with corporations and then later on in our reading before we get to 30 you know we'll find out more about how it started um in the beginning of everything Mm -hmm. and so when i read this article on facebook i was like i hadn't honestly i had no clue this was going on within corporations that were um Mm -hmm. religious in any aspect you learn a lot about what's going on in your everyday life just from things that you're doing as a hobby like reading and that's just insane to me because who would have thought this book would have like opened my eyes so much and like we were discussing last week that this couldn't be uh, a possibility in today's society and then I read that article and I'm like well but really it could maybe (laughs) if you push just a little outside the boundaries yeah it it really could and it just or a version of it and it's just it's crazy that employers can do that but um, you can find it without having health insurance also. Oh, there's websites you can go to and apps that now send it to you for free. Yeah, so. so. There's ways around it, but it's just kind of like a symbol, though, of like, oh, we don't care about the fact that you could get birth control. <laughs> we don't care if you have a baby while you work for us, you know? It's yeah. Like, it just shows more like we don't care about you. Yeah. Major corporations, I'm sorry, just don't care about their employees. I have not oh. heard of one yet. We won't give you birth control, but we won't give you proper maternity leave either. Yeah. <laughs> or paternity leave. See, or yeah, paternity if, if, either. If there's no birth control, then there's going to be more kids. So you would have to have proper maternity leave, especially with what we know today and what women need. You would need like a whole... People I mean, want what like six, like six months. Like, I'm very grateful to my company for they just extended their leave. Yeah, it's usually six weeks. Six weeks, right? It'd be nice to have six months. Oh god! <laughs> but half a year off. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's like there was some ideal like and it was like reading articles like recently and it's like there's or like an ideal like timeline I think people, like women were wanting. What but women employees. want versus what they'll get. Yeah, what, never what they up. get. Yeah, they never line up. Yeah, it, it never will, no matter. For instance, like, it's it's probably not relating to the book, but, like, when I was working for a certain company. Shout out name, Lainless. We're not going to name our companies right. on here. We're not here to diss <laughs> any company or boast any company. We're just talking. Like, where I met Michaela, where I was working. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I had gotten pregnant, and... 
I hadn't been there a full year, and I was a week shy from having that oh, full that paid that. maternity leave. I never got paid maternity leave. I was out for six weeks with Dude. no pay. Um, Jeez. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing. It's like, and then when I read that article about birth control, it just really got to me because, like, they wouldn't do that. And no offense, Connor, but they wouldn't do that to a man. Connor doesn't get paternity where he's at. No, I know, but like, let's say a man was put on birth control, or they they wanted birth control or needed it for something. Oh. They wouldn't cut a man off. Nope. For one week. Of birth control. Yeah. Nope. Always be free. <laughs> I'm but. sorry, yes, condoms will always be free. You can. I remember the days when you could go walk into a bathroom and they were literally hanging on the wall. But they're. <laughs> same thing with like women necessities, but they're not. I don't see any in public bathrooms anymore. No. Mm-mm. I just but don't. you always have to have like a quarter for if you go in the women's bathroom. And even those don't work. Why exactly. still understand like why there's still the, the whole entire like Catholic it's it has mostly to do with the Catholic Church as even a lot of like even Christian churches don't talk a lot about birth control it's mostly the Catholic Church that really like is it's like still like adamant about it yeah which is super strange which again it's like you bring up maternity and paternity leave it's like okay well in this time. You know, it's, like, really unfair for the man not to have paternity leave, but yet yeah, the woman, I mean, I get the woman has The woman has leave. that, yes. But still, since the if you're really needs... wanting it to have equal roles here, right. the father should, should get paternity get the leave. Equal that should be a time. mandatory thing when you sign up for a job, like. Yeah. Father needs time to bond with this child, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get it if we were, like, back, you know, in the 1800s or, like, even in the 60s, 50s, 60s, before all this was starting to change. I get it. You know, the man's supposed to be working and the female's <laughs> supposed to be home. Okay, I get that. <laughs> oh, goodness. But um, We no longer live in that society where the woman's home all the time. So we have, there has to be at least maternity for the woman. Yeah. I mean, and we've paid, established that. That paid, should be a guaranteed maternity leave. I don't understand why in other countries it is guaranteed. And yeah. it is longer than six weeks. And the hospital stays longer. And it's better. And it's... They give you so much more. Yeah, and it's free healthcare and yeah. all that and stuff. But, I mean, and going back to the birth control, not all women take it to prevent having a child. Some women take it for health issues, like to, mm-hmm. for, to prevent cramping that is so severe and to prevent heavy flow and different different reasons. I mean, I won't go into all of them. They're, that's not necessary. Explicit content. Explicit content. <laughs> we gave there's, you a warning. There's, but, yeah, there's so many reasons as to why it could affect so many different aspects of life. I mean, in terms of, like, how the kid grows up, the parents were there, you know, and, like, their lives and how that would, like... All the, like the domino effect of like being able to have maternity leave if you actually like would actually and I'm not we wouldn't discuss the whole entire like domino effect of it but I mean there's like it could be a huge domino effect or people don't realize that but taking away birth control is just a domino mm-hmm. and it's an where we could lead with the handmaid's tale yes yeah, it then, is an interesting yeah. article in case you lost where you were going with this whole conversation about- <laughs> People trying to get more abortions, and then if abortions become illegal again, then you're talking about people then mass amounts of like people having under the table abortions, which cause more deaths, problems, oh, complications. 
And this is how it started <laughs> in The Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, all you really need is for them to really, to me, like, ban abortion, ban contraception for women, and... There goes pretty, our dogs. And then we're pretty much, like... <laughs> there goes our Chelsea. freedom. <laughs> and then, there oh, no, the freedom. woman has to stay home, so they shouldn't have jobs, so the man has to be the man of the house again. So I wouldn't survive on that income. <laughs> <laughs> that one alone. Then the economy crashes and then every, all the prices go straight back to <laughs> That's the only reason why we'd be so able to afford one cent it. bread. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Go back to what everything used to cost. Maybe then we'd survive. Yeah. Yes. So for anyway. for the listeners out there, just a little bit of a Mind opening. Real world to Handmaid's Tale yes. comparison. Real world to fiction. So in chapter 20, this is where um, the aunts really like she offered getting back into her memories and the where she's back in her handmade school, is what I call it, um, where the aunts are showing them these films, and they could be a range of films. Um, from porn. riot to porn, basically everything that women used to 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 do. Um, this was the age where women were starting to be more open about their sexuality, more open about what they were doing: birth control, abortions, um, prostitute corners. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, porn shows, movies. She says some pretty like. She shows like bondage kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, she shows women being cut up and. Oh yeah, that's that. yes, that is crazy <laughs> to me. Like what? But I mean, it was it was getting to that point, like where the, and again, no offense, Connor, but where men were really portraying these women as you know the submissive type, and they were, you know, getting really into it with cutting up their body parts, and and I think. No joke, basing it on reality, back in the 70s, like 60s, 70s, was crazy serial killer time. It was. Crazy. Listen to That's a true. lot of true kind podcasts. Like, oh, our parents grew up in the weirdest, like, scariest time, I think, to me, oh, as yeah. far as serial killers go. The reason why that happened is because they didn't have the technology to catch them. To track the where they were <laughs> and where the crimes were happening. But, anyway, like, I mean... DNA. Yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy... Mm. Don't even get me going on the true crime. But, <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, so the ants, you know, they, we have to bring up that the handmaids, they can't read anything. They're not allowed to write. They're not allowed to learn anything new, not allowed to read anything. So during these showings of these films, um, all the wording was cut out. You know, they weren't able to read the signs or anything blacked until. Over with a black crown. Right. They were blacked over with a black crayon until. There was this one film, and it actually had Alfred's mom in it. When she was younger, she was protesting abortion. And there was all these signs, you know, take back the night, freedom to choose, things like that. And those were left open for these ladies to read. And you just have to wonder why. All the handmaids gasped. They were, you know, is this an error? Was, you know, are they supposed to be reading this? They were stunned. To me, I think it was a secret thing. Like, yes, we want you to see this. We want you to see what yeah, life was like before we took you away from it. Very selective on what they choose to, like, 
like revealed to them and it's just because it, it's a, like them trying to like pretty much beat them into submission kind of so there's certain things that they want them to like, understand and so it kind of creates their it creates the mindset that they want it's pretty much they probably chose to keep that and talking about the aunts you know they say to the handmaids I can't remember if it's to the handmaids in general or Lydia says it specifically to Alfred that the next generations won't have these won't be as difficult for them because they won't remember what it was like to want it, they won't know what it's like period right they won't know any other way of life besides being a handmaid but you know to me there's always that one oddball that's going to be that like what rebel. was it like what? There always is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always someone who's very curious. Exactly. But if you ever, if if the society just kept going, I mean, more than likely they probably would kill off anyone who would even question um, the whole like. Kill off, punish, banish. Yeah. But it's like okay, there's always gonna be somebody out there that's gonna recreate it. Find music for the first time or. Hmm? You know, create a magazine again. People invented all these things. Yeah. They can be reinvented. Exactly. I mean, they do something similar. I think, I mean, North Korea is, like, very... Hmm. They don't have the media. I'm probably pretty sure that they probably aren't allowed to really read anything outside of what they give them. What speculations would be put out there with that <laughs> research? <laughs> we have not researched well, North Korea. Let's put that out there. <laughs> It's true, they are very restrictive. They're super restrictive, and it's pretty much mirrors the society a lot. And I thought about that a while ago, and actually just came to mind that, too, like, the society actually is very similar to North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) Or what we think of North Korea. (laughs) Yeah, it it makes sense, like, to also relate it back to Nazi Germany, you know. They want to create this perfect next generation to mm-hmm. think only one way, you know, mm-hmm. not wonder about anything else. Put each of these women in these classes. Put each of these men in these classes, you know. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to me that only the commanders can do the deed and not anybody else. They're stuck with masturbation. Well, we saw how Hitler worked out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had I just had Chelsea dying of laughter. <laughs> well, um, but if I mean if you're found, like masturbation, I mean, if you're found out, like wouldn't they kill you though too? Yeah, you would. You would think depends on who you are. If you're a handmaid, no, because you're you're still worthy of bearing a child. Um, if you're a man, probably through masturbation, no can't bear a child. Well, no, but you can still bear a child with the commander. Yes. So they're not going to kill you off. I think it's more of like if they get caught in the act with a handmaid itself. Yeah, that's punishable. By now, that. if you were a Martha or an aunt or, well, if you were Somebody an aunt, you better matter. be running or something. Like, I wouldn't even go towards one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I would at least think the commander and his actual wife, not his mistress would be having some fun in their free time, but in this reading, it seems to me they don't. No. It seems to me that they don't even know who they are to each other anymore. I, probably just because they got cut off from, you know, regular society, and this society is 
from what we know is a very boring. Well, that's that to me is if you and I were cut off from, you know, another from our previous society, it was just you and I living in a house with maybe some like hand like a handmaid and you know whatever. I feel you like I would be like wanting to talk to you, wanting to have a connection with you because I feel like I'd be isolated from everything. Well, but then you add in like um, the whole like having. Imagine armed guards everywhere. Imagine, like, me having to have sex with somebody else. I mean, yes. While that, you're in the room. While you're in the room. That would throw a curveball in there that for uh, sure would put a damper amount, on our relationship. I mean, unless you were into something like that. The amount of stress on everybody's relationship. But when you're only like, grasped to reality is your husband, you would think there would be some kind of... Well, and we don't know if they already had problems. But that's the thing, though. We, we don't <laughs> know. Were they already married prior to this whole government? Or were they just we, put together because out. she's we the speaker and he out. was a commander and boom, stuck yeah. together. Or at least in the TV show you find out in the book. She's like, you sure. know, the speaker of everything and they're like, here's your prize. You can have this commander. <laughs> here's your prize. And you're never going to be sent to the colonies. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of speculation about what would happen, like, especially with, like, Newer, like up and coming, like women too, or growing up, like you kind of learn about what happens with up and coming women in the TV show, anyways. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they describe that in here ever. I don't think it gets that far because I think that's in the second season. Yeah, fucking Angela, chapter 21 <laughs> the birthday. Birthday, as in having a child kind of birthday, not the one that's celebratory. With birthday candles and balloons. It says no birthday candles or balloons. This chapter... This has a birthing stool. This chapter just pissed me off. <laughs> it was pretty much the first thing she started talking about when she walked in my front door today. <laughs> so basically, this chapter... Off Warren, or Janine, from the previous life, right previous government is finally having the baby the baby and just what pissed me off is not the fact that she was having the baby but the fact that the wife that was a baron was also pretending like she was having the baby she is lying on that floor and all the other wives are surrounding her rubbing her flat belly (laughs) and she's like breathe breathe Like, not screaming in pain, but moaning as if she were in pain having contractions. And that just got to me, because I'm like, if I were in that, if I was in Janine's position, I would be so pissed off. If I was in any of those handmaids' position, walking in that door, I'd be like, why is she even here? Like, what? I would understand if, like, she was holding her hand, but I understand this isn't the society to comfort handmaids they're just there to do one job and one job only um but why is it necessary to have the barren wife there pretending like literally going through all the same motions because this is her process too just like she's there in the conceiving of the child she deserves to be you know respected and to experience the birth oh but she gets cookies and the sarcasm and coffee <laughs> and cake and Wine. presents but 
Well, the handmaids get wine, too. Or uh, it's juice, but it's spiked. It's spiked, yes. They were not uh, supposed to have the wine. They just get away with things on yes. birthdays. But, uh, but so, yeah, these barren wives get, get all this good stuff, and then you have the handmaid who gets nothing. Mm-hmm. Literally, I but think the they pain of having this baby. at one point so she can go to the bathroom. Yeah. They put her on a bucket to go to the bathroom. And then when it's time to finally have the baby, they call in the barren mother... And there's all these other barren mothers around, or uh, barren wives. And Janine sits down to have this baby, and who's right behind her? In the same position, the damn barren wife. Literally above her, as if an angel holding her. Moaning. While she's screaming and pain. pushing <laughs> as if she were having the kid as well. And I understand it may be like a symbolism thing. Like, okay. You know, we I'm have birth with you. <laughs> we have we conceive together, we'll have the birth together, and it's make it feel like my own baby. Yeah, I guess it's a way for them to tell their, their the child that, oh, yeah, I was with you at your birth. <laughs> it's a but see, I mean, I'm, I gave birth with her. <laughs> I was, she's my baby now. I just, it's still, it just pisses me off. Because then, you know, it's like, so Janine's and her in the master bed all day waiting to have this baby. And then when she's finally done, Miss uh, Barren Wife goes and lays in her bed. And waits for her with baby a flat to be tummy. to her. And the baby is automatically brought to her, and Janine doesn't even get to hold the baby. Janine's just bawling in tears. Like, I would be the same. Like, and, you know, all the handmaids are, like, telling her she did great and trying to distract her from the naming of the baby. Fucking Angela. Angela. (laughs) Why? I mean, I'm sorry to all the Angelas out there, but, um, why that name? Like, (laughs) why a baby? Is Angela biblical? Named Angela. It could be Angel, A, yeah. Angel A, Angela. Yeah, true. Now connecting the dots, I don't know, possibly. But then, you know, it was like a cult thing, you know. Got a name for her? Angela. All the other wives, Angela. It's like, okay, <laughs> we get it. Yeah. Like, did the commander get a say in this naming? Probably Because not. he wasn't there. No. They didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl before up, the birth. It was up to the oh. Yeah, everything that pertains to the baby is up to the wives. The dude's only there just to have sex. Like, yeah. And then to run the military. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Kind of like how it was, you know, back way back then. The man wasn't, even king and queen time, the king was not allowed in the room. Um, You know, the woman would have it in their master chamber. And then, of course, you know, the, the male would be notified. And there you have it, but... That chapter just pissed me off. Like, why? And then in, like, the TV episode, which is, if, you, if you're following along in both the book and the TV, it seems like they're lining up, you know, episode two is mostly our reading from last week. Which we did good dividing week. up the reading, apparently. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So there's some things they don't really mention. Some things are kind of fast-forwarded. But for the most part, it really follows really well. Um... That's just, and then they like offer her. Uh, offer goes to the kitchen, and there's all these barren wives around, including Serena Joy, which is her. Uh, you know, that's her wife that she lives in that home with. Um, 
The commander's wife. Yeah, they offer her a cookie. Not Serena Joy, but the other women. And she's hesitant at first, which I would be too, because, you know, it's like, well, I'm not allowed to have this. Are they the eyes? Are they going to tell on me? And then, you know, finally Serena Joy asks her, and she finally takes it, you know, smiling just a little, and then she takes a bite out of it, and then they're like, oh, she's so well-behaved, like, she's a fucking pet. Like, what? Well, to them, they are just toys, pets. Property, property. I get it. But it's like, dang, I would have punched her in the face. Imagine being a tourist, and if they show the tourist the birthing. I really wish they would like, (laughs) the tourist of all things. And I think they're Asian. The tourists were Asian. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Wearing miniskirts and high heels. And tank tops. Yeah, and then she goes in the bathroom, and she wastes the cookie. I'm like, what are you doing? You never get cookies. I know, right? Eat it, man. You said yes. Eat it. Don't just leave it there. Yeah. Spit it out and But then Janine, for all of her hard work, will never be sent to the colonies. True. That is her... That's the one That's thing. her uh, reward out of it. You know, she may not get to keep this baby, but she will be moving on to the next home, and she will never be sent to the colonies as an unwoman. Of course, she'll have to stay around and breastfeed and bond with the baby first. Yes, that's the only thing she's allowed to do. But I do like how... It shows the torment in her heart in the TV episode where she's handed the baby and it's breastfeeding and, you know, she's, which I would be in her same shoes, upset, <clears throat> you know, and she starts singing to the baby and I'm like, quit it, pulling at my damn yeah. heartstrings. It's the one time you feel sad for, for her. For her. Any other because time any you would she's crazy. Because she's... She's local. She's one of those you'd want to punch in the face. Like you don't want to be around. But I mean, if if I was one of them, I mean, I would just like I don't even want to look at it because like you're not going to be able to really be there for it. I mean, it's just like any other woman who's giving their baby up for adoption. They usually choose not to see the baby. Yeah, right. Because they know it's not going to be theirs. They literally hand promise it right you have there. to. Is <laughs> the only problem. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's basically chapter twenty one. That's. Yep. Fucking Angela. Fucking Angela. Alright, so now we're going to discuss chapters 22 and 23. So chapter 22 is a lot about, it's mainly just about Moira escaping uh, from the center. Um, It's Janine and Aunt Lydia talking about Moira's escape. Um, So how she escaped is she was, uh, I'm just saying a lot of ums right now, aren't I? (laughs) I am so tired. It, she... I'm so sorry. She goes to the bathroom and she causes a scene. She uh, undoes the handle of the toilet, makes it float over, goes out to the aunt who's on patrol and says, oh my gosh, the bathroom's flooding. And so the aunt believes her and goes in there and tries to stop it. And so um, Moira's right behind her with the little shark piece that she has and says, don't say a word or I'm going to do it. Basically stab Shibu, her. Yeah. yeah. And Shibu, and so she takes, so Moira takes her down to the basement, or the boiler room, Boiler room, furnace room. And gyps her clothes, like, completely naked down, swaps clothes with her, ties her up, leaves her there, takes her badge and everything, and escapes from the center, Um, and the guards don't say anything, they don't even check her ID, nothing, and 
the whole reason Aunt Lydia is talking to Janine about this is so that Janine can be the eye within the center to find out who helped her. And we all three know that Moira's personality, she probably didn't have any help. She's like, I'm sick of this shit, and she wants to get out. Pretty much. And so, some, some differences we noticed between the movie and the book, or movie, TV show and the book. In the TV show, um, it is Janine saying Mar- Moira's dead. In the book, it's Janine telling somebody else who tells... Um, Another all, tell somebody else. Tell somebody else who tells Alfred that she escaped this way. So you know some different comparisons. So we don't really know yeah. if she's dead, but hopefully we'll find out in the later reading that she's either alive or dead. Right. Yeah. Or maybe even in the TV series as you watch it. Um, continuing on. Um, but yeah, this. So that's basically chapter twenty-two. Moving on to chapter twenty-three. Um, this was. Basically, the first night um, Alfred spent in the commander's office, and it took me by surprise. Because what does he want to do? He wants to play Scrabble. <laughs> Not at all what you expect. Not at all. I thought it was going to be something completely different, um, but to me, it was, it was nice. I mean, it, it took a different turn. I didn't think... I mean, we both know what you think of the commander. Yes. <laughs> um, I think he's lacking in emotional companionship um, in all possible ways. And I just think he's looking for that companionship. I know you both think he's creepy, which I get that. Super creepy. Um, like, super creepy. Like serial killer creepy. But yeah, um, I just think it's totally sweet and I love in the book how it's described I absolutely do not like how it it, it happens in the TV episode which is episode 2 um, because it just happens so fast there in the book it actually builds up a little bit um, but I mean you can't really With all that description right <laughs> with the book you can imagine in your own mind yeah. right but watching it on TV, it was kind of a disappointment. One, because at the end of the first night, she kisses him. In the TV episode, he, you know, she doesn't. She just walks out. That's that's a disappointment and and all. But relating back to the creepy statement, um, I can see where you guys get that because, you know, she's there feeling the Scrabble letters in the in the TV episode and it's like all this breathing and emotional buildup. And then all of a sudden there's silence and he's just like staring at her, at her face, creepily, okay? And not going to lie, I really laughed when that happened because um, because that's exactly how I imagined it, like, in the book. Um, because he was staring at her and, you know, and everything. Um, but yeah, just some key differences between the TV series and the book. But to me it was just... Um, it took me by surprise. The whole Scrabble thing. I think it took everybody by surprise because what you expect going into that room is pure sex. Well, I didn't really imagine sex. I just thought, Some okay, kind well, of something's going to go down. Like, there's an, you know, Auckland saying motive. there's an eye in her home. Well, what's going to go on, you know, or yeah. maybe, you, you know. expect an ulterior motive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, in my mind, I wasn't thinking sex um i could see where a lot of other people were you know could probably think that um but me 
coming from an innocent mind. Have a more perspective on reality. Um, I just, I... When I read books, I kind of want to not really go to the basic, you know. And that would be a very basic... Very basic evil. ...opinion about what would happen in this scene. But I did not expect Scrabble. No. It's just no. the one game no one ever thinks about I ever. did not expect that. It's probably the only game that exists at this point. But it makes sense because very it's a lot of, though. like, wordplay. Um, yeah. And to me, I wouldn't, you know... I wouldn't have been, like, playing just some random words. I would have been playing, you know, words that were, like, keywords. Maybe, you know, the commander would have got it, you know, for information. But considering it's her first night, you know, she wasn't going to be too um, ballsy with it. But, and I understand, you know. And, and you got to think, you know, this is her first time seeing this. And how long, you know, she hasn't been able to set eyes on anything like this. Or let alone touch or play a game something familiar from you know a time that was good right and well good in her eyes now was it good then it depends on the situation you know but um, time she misses right and um yeah it was it was insane uh i would expect something like chess or checkers not scrabble um and <laughs> To me, also another thought that came through my mind was that, you know, it was maybe a fetish of his. He doesn't have that emotional companionship, so it's nice to see somebody who's getting so much joy out of playing a game or uh, feeling simple wooden letters that, you know, they haven't been able to feel in so long. Could be a fetish for him that might help him in the bedroom. I don't know, building that companionship, because I know some guys... They can't really have sex until they build, like, an emotional connection. Or, um, they, it's just not as easy for them to be, to think of a woman as a piece of, you know, like a vessel or a piece of property to do whatever with, you know, on certain weeks or nights. Um, so for me that really kind of plays in and maybe that's why he does that with the handmaids. And we will stop with chapter 22 and 23 there and continue on. Moving on to chapters 24 through 27 um, was basically another filler plot um, chapters in this book. And comparing it to the TV episode, again, episodes 1 and 2 really do a good job of just pairing this all together and... and, um, putting a lot of detail in there from the book as well as the tv series so So, 24 is mainly just her coming back from the commander's chambers for the first night and just kind of being overwhelmed with emotion and not being really able to comprehend what just happened and just just bursting into hysterical laughter and trying to control herself so they don't hear her and ending up just in her closet trying to control her laughter and that's Pretty much the entire chapter. And she falls asleep. We have to note, she falls, falls asleep, asleep on the, the floor. Closet. In on the Yes, on the floor. On the, the floor. Closet. In the closet? Yeah, it's in the closet because that has to do with where they found her because the cloak, she pulled the cloak down. We're giving each other hard Even looks right silence. now. <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. That, I think she, like, 
but got down on the floor. The phrase on the floor. That's what makes me think. And the phrase is in the closet. Because Cora, the next chapter twenty five opens with Cora walking in on her and screaming because she thought she was dead. But I lie on the floor, breathing too fast and slower, evening out my breathing as an exercise for giving birth. All I can hear now is the sound of my own heart opening. Quoting doesn't say if she's. She says she's lying on the floor. I guess it, it doesn't matter. Um, she's on the floor, and she falls asleep on the floor. She yes. never makes it to the bed, which brings us to the beginning of chapter 25, where Cora comes in and finds her on the floor and thinks she's dead. And drops her breakfast. Her eggs go flying everywhere. The eggs. And man. she screams. Yes. And <laughs> we, we learn why later on um, in... In one of the next chapters, we're going to discuss as a plot filler, so I'll go ahead and say that the commander um, actually reveals actually that, reveals mm-hmm. that the previous handmaid hung herself, and Cora was actually the one that found her dead, and that's why she was so hysterical finding her that way, thinking she had killed herself. Um, no, so she's very relieved to find out that you know she, she's just sleeping, um, but you know off of uh, Alfred. What am I trying to say? Something else. Alfred. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to say something else. But uh, that um, Alfred actually just says that she had passed out, which isn't true. She just did want her to think she slept on the floor all night. Yes. Um, and, and what's interesting to me is... Um, They're making fun of me right now. We're not Batman. <laughs> this is not... Alfred. <laughs> it's Alfred or Alfred. What's interesting to me, me is that uh, Cora actually just shrugs this off as a mis misunderstanding and like doesn't say anything like they both agree mm-hmm. not to say anything about this she flushes the eggs down the toilet um Since and she broke the glass on the stairs right and Alfred eats the dirty piece of toast on the floor <laughs> <laughs> so that's chapter 25 26 is the ceremony again which is two to three weeks later we got our question answered from last week the ceremony is two to three weeks again um, and in this ceremony, he tries to make a connection with Alfred. Um, guys, yes. you're... <laughs> That's right. That was right? She yes. said Alfred, though. Is I she... saw her tongue. <laughs> she <Yes>. tried. <laughs> They're not going to stop making fun of me. So anyway, um, they all meet up in the parlor, and the commander comes out and tries to touch Alfred's face. And she quickly puts his, like, shuns his hand away, like, don't touch me. You're not supposed to. Your wife's right there. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, that happens. And then that same night or the next night, she goes back into his office and mm. says, don't do that again, basically. And he didn't realize he was trying to touch her face. It was one of those. That's why I was, like, getting to the hopeless romantic about his personality. Because the touching of the face, when there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. When she just sees it as Serena's going to realize we have something going on and send me away. Yeah, right. I'm going to get in trouble and I won't see my daughter or husband ever again. Um, but that leads into chapter 27. Which is where she goes on one of her daily, well, not daily, but daily walks, daily shopping trips with, um, of Glenn. And realizes she can actually trust her by a conversation they have and words exchange saying, do you believe? And no, I don't. Well, this is also where she first truly actually does lay like eyes on her face mm-hmm. yes which is very when cool. they're looking through the Mirror, glass. glass because you really can't necessarily no point Look them you can't the see any of them in the face really and that's time. an interesting concept because 
coming from a person reading the book and watching the TV series, you understand more in the book that they don't look at each other. But watching the TV series, it seems like they look at each other more than they would in the book. Mm-hmm. But you also see their eyes are down when they're talking. Yeah. But they're still like looking towards each other, which is crazy. I think they probably had a hard time telling them that you can't look at you. You can't look at you. Can't look it's at hard to act with somebody when you can't <laughs> look at them. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. And I think also the camera angles probably make it look like they might be looking at each other more when in reality they're not. Yeah, like maybe, let's say if you, Michaela, had the white wings on. Yeah. You could be looking forward and I, I would could be looking at you talking to you. Yeah. Right? But she looking can't at your wings, see you right? At exactly. All. And then saying, if you're trying to talk to me, I'm looking this way, yeah. looking face forward. You can't see my face. Exactly, you can't yeah. see mine. Yeah. yeah, it would make more sense that way. Yeah. Um, but yes, and you know, this is also the chapter where we find out uh, of Glenn is that has this group, and there's more people. Um, this rebellion, almost. Yes. Yes, but. More to come um, on that. <laughs> what? Yes, because again, comparing it to the TV show episode two, the book does not mention that of Glenn is gone at the end of the reading. Yeah. It just you know says that she reveals this whole you know rebellion group, um, but in the TV series she she mentions that, but then at the end of it you know Alfred's like so excited to tell her well what would seem like excitement to tell her about her first night with the commander. Um, and all of this, and um, she's not there. The The person that was playing of Glenn before is not the same person that's playing her now. It's a different... She's of Glenn, because she's in that household, right. but it's a yeah. different person. Yeah. So it's like, what happened yeah. to her? Yeah. Which, now that you bring that up, that would be a different timeline, too, because all this happens after her first three nights with the commander. Yes. Yeah. And that happens before her first night with the commander. Exactly. So that could be another way where the producers of the show were like, let's kind of give a little twist and turn here. Yeah. Um, because now in my mind, I'm like, okay, in the book, it really doesn't state that she's gone just yet or that she something has happened to her. But it's a different in the second there. episode, it's like, all right, let's get rid of her like now. Like, we don't want her pants anymore. I think also, too, like, when you're thinking about a TV show, you want to accelerate certain things, mm-hmm. and you also want to maybe bring in certain things that could possibly happen within the world, but the book doesn't really get to that. True. <laughs> and so they kind of want to, like, maybe bring in an aspect that the book doesn't really do it justice, because they didn't really, I don't think have any of them really necessarily replaced any of them at all. It would be a good, like, suspense factor. I mean, it is, because um, you just find out she's part of a rebellion, and now yeah. she's gone. It's yeah. like, okay. And as they're talking about the rebellion, this black eye van pulls up, and they think it's for them, but they're well, relieved to Alfred see Well, thinks it's for her. Well, right. I don't really think of Glenn, the, the person that was playing her, or even in the book, is, like, that afraid. Yeah, but... But you since know, they're Alfred's having these nights with the commander, she's like, oh my gosh, we're going out. Head. Yeah, but they're very relieved to see it's for this other man, you know, and that he's taken away. Of course, they're not happy, but, you know, they're very relieved to see another man of the well, other man. It's not something to mention also in the TV episode is of Glenn tells Alfred, she's like, it's okay to be relieved. And Alfred's like, I'm not relieved. 
that it's just left at that, really. Yeah. There's no nothing more said about it. Yeah, you, like, okay. you can't really do nothing to say about that. You, <laughs> right. you're not really, but you're, you know, okay that it's not you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that is a wrap-up of chapters 24 through 27. It was after the catastrophe when they shot the president and machine-gunned the Congress and the army declared a state of emergency. They blamed it on the Islamic fanatics at the time. Page 174 of chapter 28. So this is what kind of started the civilization that we're in in The Handmaid's Tale. Um, It kind of gives us more of the backstory. And chapter 28 is really a lot of the backstory of how Alfred Mm -hmm. um, ended up... Guys, stop laughing at me. Ended up... In the society she's in, being a handmaid, and we really learn about her life beforehand and the days leading up to her being captured. Yes, it really gives a lot of detail on the backstory of how this government came to play, um, basically how women lost everything within a... To me, it was like a matter of two days, it seemed like, in the book. There was some um, but there was some time jumps. The major yeah. events were about yeah. two days. You don't overthrow a government. In and two then days. two days later, you don't have a job, right? Yeah. Um, so things. So basically, women's uh, money turns into copy numbers. What would be copy numbers? But that's money. everybody's money. Everybody's money um, turned into copy numbers, which is not like a credit card. It's like a piece of paper, almost with a number on it. Yeah. You hand it over, and they type it in. But it's almost like digital currency. Yeah, it's like if they, in the real world, if like they took your social security number mm-hmm. and like that was like your, your bank, bank account, account, your identification, and it pretty much like everything like rolled into one like little card. Yes, almost. but see the thing is, is um, yes, things turned into copy numbers, and yes, the media was like, "Don't freak out, it's just we're nothing." We're just in a state of emergency, and the army's right. taking over, and we're putting up barricades, and there's riots, but not that many riots. Nothing to freak aside, out about but... here. And so you wonder how, like, real media, like today, like you know how people like distrust the media <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Like how they would react to our government being taken over by something. Oh, they would make us freak out. They're making us freak out. Yeah, so that, I mean, so that's the main thing, is, like, that whole thing of, like, the media just, like, saying, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. Like, you wonder if they had already, already, like, taken over the, like, media. people in the media. Because this is, yeah. most real media would probably, I mean, there would be... That's true today. I mean, there's government involvement in the media today. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um... But, so, after they take over and send out these compu numbers, you know, we know her as June in this previous life. Um... She goes to her regular store to try and buy cigarettes. She talks to her regular woman... And she, you know, goes about her regular life for a bit. Um, the next day, she tries to go back before work to buy cigarettes, and the woman's gone. You know? There's she, a man she's now. A, there's a man there now. She's not used to. He's totally new. He doesn't know what he's doing, obviously. Um, and her her compu number is declined. Invalid. She tells him, you know, that's not correct. Do it again. And he, you know, is smug. No. Like, mm, not going to do that. She finally makes him do it again. She watches very closely, making sure the number is accurate, like, that he's entering is accurate. 
comes back invalid again. You know, she's like, fine, whatever, I'll go to work and call them, figure it out. She gets to work, she can't get a hold of Confu, Confu people. Um, the line's busy, which when we figure out why, makes sense, because everybody's probably trying to figure out what's going on. And then after lunch, her boss comes in and fires all the women. Because yeah. it is unlawful for women to work. It is illegal. It is mm-hmm. the law that women cannot work. Yeah. And there are actually men with guns in his office ready to take down anyone who um, refuses this, resists it. Um, so basically they're all sent home. And then this is also when Moira comes over because she calls her. Um, and she finds out from her best friend that her bank account is not a bank account anymore. It's... It can be her husband's, but mm-hmm. is no, it's no longer hers. Nothing is no longer hers. Women can yeah. no longer have property or money or a job. They, you know, their husbands are in charge now. Uh, I think it's also quick to point out, too. I think in when the officers are in there, I think, well, some of them, I think, still think it's like the United States Army. Yes. And so I think there's some confusion there. And, there is some confusion. And that's why the people really still don't know completely what's going on. Is they're not sure like like where is the order is actually like really like, coming mm-hmm. from and it, it, she she points out it's not a regular army uniform it's a it's yeah. a different army that yeah. is standing in the office yeah yes and if you're watching the TV series as well along with reading the book you really get a good imagery of what that uniform looks like yeah um, reading the book you don't really get a good imagery at least in my head no I would think it's pictured as if any other uniform um but in the tv series you really get a good picture of what that's going to look like yeah it's like a combination of like swat <laughs> right swat and, and, army. and like and like a, like a like swat team but then like, like so i'm gonna bring up nick and this is completely off topic but nick in the book i wouldn't think he'd be wearing what he's wearing in the tv series <laughs> to be honest <laughs> the way he's got the book you know rolex watches TV. and a black shirt you know and black and pants. probably yeah. you know entertainment being like oh we should you know try to make them look hot yeah, yeah. well also like throw in some you know oh he's sponsored by rolex <laughs> Well, this, they, they he's the commander's deal. driver. He gets a nice Rolex, <laughs> and he yeah, that's looks true too. good. Okay, yeah. But yet you got these women got, all dressed. We have a hot in. guy out there cleaning the nice car. I mean, <laughs> true. I mean, I'm sure at some point you'll probably find them all on the cover of GQ, being like, "Yeah, the guy from you know Handmaid's Tale. He's about to buy Rolex and the Rolex ad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played Nick and Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, getting back to 28. Back to the time <laughs> jump in chapter 28. Oh. Um, you know, then Luke comes home and is trying to console her. Yeah. And, you know, she sees it almost patronizing. Like, almost that he's, you know. Enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that this was bound to happen. And he was bound to conform to their ways. Well, I don't know necessarily if he was enjoying it as much as I think he was just like, this is how it is now. It's okay. I don't he was want to, you know, make any, like, any, you know, waves. waves. I don't want, you know. And how men kind of are today, you know, they don't. They roll with the punches. They, mm-hmm. yeah. This but is how society yeah, is. We don't want to make any changes. This is what's going to happen. Let's just roll with but it. But then he, you know, she's sitting there all distraught. And he tries to, you know, have sex with her. 
And that's very... Well, okay, let's talk about what happens before he tries that. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, he I tries, jumped over a little bit. He tries to calm her down. He's not like any other male, okay? He's, He's like trying to comfort her and trying to um, help her over this little... Um, hurdle. Hurdle, you know, obstacle that she just lost her job. She lost her money, um, you know, and she thinks he's getting enjoyment out of it, but he's trying to tell her that he's not, you know, he's just trying to, um, reiterate that this is the way the government is now. I mean, I Mm -hmm. can't do anything about it. Um, it's okay. We have a kitty in here and she wants love. Okay. (laughs) Um, cats are welcome. Okay. All cats are welcome in this podcast (laughs) um but anyway so he tries to console her and you know after she's like um a little bit calmed down then he wants to have sex you know just to try to get over this little um talk that they've had but she's really not into it yeah i'm sorry i mean they eventually are being told that they don't have the right to do anything and that they're just property it's not the right time to try to she make say though in her head that this would kind of sometimes normally be a spot where she may, might want to but for she for just some can't reason, get she, over this yes. whole thing but i mean yeah. they end up they do yeah. um but she still couldn't get over the fact that she lost her job mm. she lost her money now it's like okay what about my kid and then there's the whole thing about the cat the, okay. okay. It's in the same chapter. Chapter 30. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> getting on further into the book. There's the thing about the cat, okay? Which I won't talk about just yet. But, um, it just breaks my heart. But, yes. Chapter 27 is... 28. Or 28. It gets juicy. Look, I'm already into it. And I'm like, forgetting <laughs> chapters here. It's also <laughs> late right now. Honestly, so. it's, it's juicy. I would have loved for the, like, her to make this book a little bit longer. So we can and, get yeah. further into what well, happened with all the fillers in here. Yeah, well, then it's just like, how, like, how does the, like, pretty much in, like, legitimate, like, sentences, she describes how the government was overthrown. It's like, whoa. Yeah, Whoa. literally. Wait a minute. Whoa. What Chelsea meant at the beginning. Just President Shaw, Congress machine gun. You're, what? You're only going to That's give it? us, like, a few sentences? Like, come on. Like, How was the President shot? <laughs> what mean, happened like, before? Even a really good dystopian novels at least give sometimes at least some backstory like eat throughout like every chapter because i'm sorry is, president has legit security that's what disappointed congress has legit security that's what disappointed me a little bit i was like damn i was like i was hoping they would just like go in to describe nope. and then nope well i am glad that she put some description in there and yeah. i'm glad that this whole chapter was based on what happened i'm so glad that's that in you there. get some context you did get a little yes context, of what had happened think. before to yeah. make this because we were talking about this last week yeah. why There's no context. <laughs> what what happened to get to where <laughs> and we now are. we find out Finally. and it's like okay but you're you know a good almost 200 pages in yeah. exactly <laughs> which is what <laughs> like the tv series is like let's get into this right yeah. and then Episode the book's two, like let's tell no. you what happened let's wait well and that's the whole thing with books versus like she has a whole novel to tell the story versus a TV show you have to keep your audience like on. Otherwise, they will stop watching. But, I mean, yeah. she had a whole novel, but it's not looking like she's going to explain it all in I one mean, novel. I mean, you can lose people in a novel in the first ten pages, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can lose people. Like with you. It almost happened with you, <laughs> Connor. You almost lost me in the in the two paragraphs about an egg. Well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it's just that you also context of one it's written to. I mean, like, novels these days are written more like a TV show. They're That's true. more, they get to the point, the point. a little bit further This one now, was written in 1980. Or so. like, you know, that's why we're all fell asleep when we were in high school reading these novels that were like written like back in like 1920. So they couldn't keep your attention at first, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do like how there's a lot of description in this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of filler, but it really describes yeah. everything. It gives yeah. you a... a like you know you're you there can and you can feel it visualize can... a lot of it over it like really and it good. helps to visualize when you've seen the tv show too yes yes yes, yes, yes. it's kind of hard to picture anything else when you've seen that but yes so we would like to ask you guys the listeners what were your thoughts on chapter 28 send us a message on facebook Continuing on with uh, the last little bit of our reading, chapters 29 and 30, the cat in chapter 30, um, 29. She's just on that cat. She loves cats. She loves I am. I'm a cat person. Uh, 29, she visits the commander, and um, at this point, she's seems to be more comfortable he seems more comfortable he's taking off his jacket she's letting her hair down she's got her shoes off just chilling it's at least her fourth visit from what we've counted and um she gets a little bit ballsy she gets ballsy and she asks about the note that's in her bedroom but he doesn't know there's a note she just asks there's this latin phrase i know what, what it is mean? it? Honestly, that disappointed me though, because like I was so hoping this was gonna be something super secretive and like I was like Ooh, actually this, mean something. This when could it... be real. Like she's gonna get really mad and then nope. Or she's gonna find something out. Yeah, yeah it disappointed nope. me as well. It just ends up being some joke in high school, um, through a group of men. A joke in high school. Is all it turns out to be. It means something with bastard in it. Mm. Hold on, we're finding it real quickly. Chapter 29. Yes, um, it's just a joke. And she's she was like thinking, have I risked this all to ask him just for a joke? Yes. Like, and so she asked... What sort of joke? It's a schoolboy's joke. Um, so basically, it's sort of hard to explain because this dude's like laughing at her, and um, she goes, "Don't," or he, she finally finds out what it's about, and he says, "Don't let the bastards grind you down." And so these schoolboys would say this whenever teachers would like get on to them over nothing or over like some major thing, and they would say this between themselves because it was um, a way to kind of like make them feel a little better about it. I mean, I get why this note was left in her room though. Like, don't let the bastards get you down. I mean, look at the way she's treated, mm-hmm. and she understood it too. She got a second she heard it, she's like, "Oh, okay, this makes sense." Why right it's in her room, but. But she immediately knew when she heard it, that previous handmaid had been in this room before. Yes. And been with that commander before. Yes. Yeah. And she actually asks him that. 
Mm. She says something about that. Pretty much admits it, I think. Yeah, and he he admits it. He said, "She said what happened to her." Yeah, and this is where we find out, you know, she had killed herself. The previous handmaid and Cora found her, and that's why the ceiling picture was taken out because that's where she had hung herself. Um, and that's who left that note for Offred in there. Um, I was a little disappointed to find out it was just a joke, but it has meaning. It lets her know, hey. The com- this is not the commander's first time doing this with a handmaid. Two, don't let the bastards get you down. You no. know, like, don't. She's treated like crap, you know. Yeah, she gets good meals and baths and all that, but she doesn't get to have cookies or coffee, you know, or a whole birthing party <laughs> for her. You know what I mean? So, yeah, don't let the bastards get her down. But it is still a disappointing to find out it was just a joke between but then it's like okay well how did the previous handmaid find that out was she looking through the latin books or did he just admit that like there's a saying that me and my schoolboys used to joke about she probably got the latin book out or something i mean there's only no one knows latin i mean (laughs) no one knows latin not even now she had known that particular phrase that he had had with the schoolboys he had to have said something Maybe, maybe because he, maybe he said it, it's not an official phrase. He maybe, said it's a, a joke phrase. It could have come a, up in conversation. Maybe yeah, it had to have been like some that. conversation they but had. How, how would you know how to spell it? Oh shit! <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> kicker. Cause, it sounds like they had a pretty serious relationship. Probably, yeah. probably. I think it really got to the point where maybe the handmaid couldn't take it, but I think it got to the point where they were seeing each other so much. It was starting to get to that point where somebody was going to find out. And that's, and also, that's what happened. Serena found out and, and the handmaid killed herself. that's also probably why Serena is even more distant now. And he goes and does this again. But it's like, okay, well, if he's doing it now, you'd think Serena would be all up in his grill, like, or all peeking up through windows. Alfred's grill. Well, and she must know, though, too. I mean, he has some pull within this within the government, though. I mean, he's a man, so don't roll cross no man in this society. True. Men are superior. Yep. So that's probably why she doesn't say anything. She probably also doesn't want people to look down upon her family if this were to, like, come out that he was doing all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he'd be some kind of repercussion. Yeah. Oh, and I'd like to bring up... um, I mentioned Ballsy because she is. Oh, yes, right. this. Mm-hmm. So she asked for hand lotion in previous chapters, um, <laughs> you know, and she's gotten to read some magazines and stuff. So uh, I think it was one well, maybe in this in this chapter that she asked for hand lotion. No, it was one uh, chapter 25. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, she asked for hand lotion. And so he's like, is there anything else that you would like besides hand lotion? And she basically is like, yeah, I want to know what's going on. And that's the end of chapter 29. And I'm like, what? And then, you know, of course, 30, there's nothing. Like, it doesn't even discuss discuss the commander where they are currently. It's a a time jump again. It's going back. Yeah, back to our memories. I don't even know if they'll discuss. They might further into their next portion. They might maybe say well, something about it. Well, the next portion is Jezebel's. I remember Jezebel's from the TV series, so... 
but who's I'm to not going to talk about and know who's, who's to say it's the same. Yeah, it might not be so, the same. So, I won't talk about Jezebel's, but we'll talk about the time jump in chapter 30, where it's uh, Alfred and her husband Luke um, preparing to cross the border and try to flee to Canada. Um, and they, they're trying to make it look like a day trip, so they're not taking pretty much anything with them, including Chelsea, their cat. Yes. The poor cat, man. And it made me wonder, you know, what happened to all the rest of these domesticated animals, you know, uh, in this new government. Um, basically, the cat, um, Luke has to kill the cat, or decides to kill the cat, takes him, the cat into, I think, the garage mm-hmm. portion of their home, and I want to I wanna believe snaps its neck, because that's the quietest way to go about things. It's the only way you would want to without getting blood on your... Um, yeah, or really to startle anyone or give anybody a hint of, hey, yeah. we're going to leave. So basically nothing is packed up. They take what they can and they go. And then like the next day, the neighbor rats them out. And then they're caught two miles. Two miles from the border. That is where they're caught. So in this little segment, we'll go ahead and discuss viewer questions and listener questions. This week we had two on Facebook. Yes. And um, so the first question comes from Marshall Johnson. And he had basically two questions, but kind of tied into one. And he had a very good point. Um, something I did not notice. None of us None realized of us until we just sat here and read his question. <laughs> yes. So his question was, what does the group make? Which of the use of the present tense for narration of both Alfred's present and her memories of the past. And why do you think Atwood blurs the timelines like that? One, good job, Marshall, in noticing. <laughs> right? None of us noticed. Until I also We all had an epiphany. Like, I noticed there were no quotations around the content of yeah. the conversation, but to dive deep in, in detail like that, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, something I didn't notice, but that's so great to talk about. So, Connor, what is your opinion? You had a great take on this when we were discussing it before we started recording. Um, yeah, so basically I think that um, she doesn't want the past to be the past yet. Because she's afraid that if she lets the past just become the past that she'll start to forget start to forget but then also you're accepting this society as like the normal future and you're not hoping that it'll go away soon maybe something will happen with the war or you know she's trying to keep it relevant in her head she's trying to almost live in the past oh yeah I mean, yeah. You Live want... as if the past is her present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And that's a very good um, discussion point to have because I think um, Atwood did a very good job at doing this. And to the normal reader who just glances over uh, the book, probably wouldn't have caught this. Um, me being a deep diver reader, I didn't even catch this. The normal reader would be very confused by all the time jumps. And yeah, what's... me as an average reader, like, as I would never, never catch that. I would never have caught that. I mean, I, I kind of made sense of it all. It makes sense that, you know, she would go back into her memories and, 
you know, the conversation will be different, like, Mm -hmm. as if it were made to be not present, but also past-like. But I'm just appalled at myself. I did not catch that one tiny detail, but it is a major one, and it is a good detail to discuss. And I applaud you, Marshall, because that is a great question. (laughs) I will say Marshall is a PhD in English, so I am not at all surprised. It makes sense. Yes. Um, That's fantastic. Join in more, Marshall. Love your questions. Um, So, yes. The next question is from Valentina Issa. And she sent us a message on Facebook. And she asked, What do you think The Handmaid's Tale is trying to tell people who live in situations where they, in one way or another, lack control over their lives? Huh. So, Alfred really doesn't have control of her life. It was mm-hmm. basically taken from her. Yeah. Um, no woman, except for maybe... I mean, the wives do, but then they don't, because the men really still control everything. I yes. mean, the only thing I can think to compare that question to would be a domestic abuse relationship. I didn't think of that either. Connor was thinking, you know, third world countries. Middle East. Yeah. Where women don't have as many freedoms. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite as severe with domestic abuse, but they are limited in a lot of things. A lot of what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of controlling situations. Um, Me personally, I don't think the book is telling anybody anything as far as in that regard of the Mm -hmm. question but it does reiterate of like the emotions you go through if you were in that situation or if you were in a third world country that has those types of beliefs um it really touches base on that uh, emotional aspect of it i don't really think that this book is trying to and maybe i'll find out you know Uh. reading towards the end maybe i'll have more of an opinion on this question Um, But me personally, I don't think the book is trying to say anything more than just women were suppressed in the time the author wrote this book. And she was really trying to reiterate um, how she was feeling going through that time period. And that's a good point. We can always, there's certain questions, like Marshall's question wouldn't necessarily be something we would need to regroup on at the end. This one's one we could regroup on once we read the entire book and see if our opinions change. Yes, and and that is a thing that we will definitely do. Um, We will definitely come back to this question. Um, but as for now, I don't think any of us really think it's it's telling anybody anything other than, you know, what women were going through in this time period. And um, I don't I don't think there's any enlightening message of there's a way out right now um, mm-hmm. in the reading that we have done. Um, I think we're just kind of curious as to is there going to be a way out? Is yeah. there going to be something different? Is it going to go back to um, what was happening before? Um but yeah, we will definitely touch base on that question again. And so my question to you, listeners, is what did you think of this week's reading? Did you enjoy it? Um, were you hooked still? Or were you just kind of like, eh, I'm kind of forcing myself through this? Just let us know. To submit a discussion question, email us at acrossthenovelverse at gmail.com. To follow our weekly discussions, go ahead and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Across the Novelverse. Verse. 
Thank you for joining us in this week's discussion of chapters 18 through 30 of The Handmaid's Tale. Join us next week for chapters 31 through the end of the historical notes. We look forward to talking to you next week.